Welcome to Troll Black TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week, we're featuring Boone Speed, one of America's most sought-after sport photographers with a list of clients a mile long. Boone Speed, welcome to our show. Good, man. How's life treating you? Good. Yeah, really good. Right on, man. Yeah, I was trying to remember, when did I last see you last? Was it in uh, my Reno? dad died. The day your dad died. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Man. Remember that? I do remember that now. That was a trip, huh? Wow, that's right. Yeah, wow. wild, wild, wild. I'll never forget that whole day. It was so bizarre. Yeah, what was going on for you that day? I was shooting, remember I was sh- working for Entreprise and we were, I was shooting that, you know, their new wall. Emily Harrington was there posing yep. on it and um, David Graham was there doing the dog and pony. And um, so I was right. working and I got a text that my dad, my dad had had, he'd been sick. Um, he'd had um, some, he'd like lymphoma, but um he was, that was in remission. And then that day he got, um, he got, uh, whatever pneumonia and died that night. So, oh man, I I do remember that now. Yeah. It wasn't, a, it, it was one of those, I mean, it was a merciful death. So it wasn't, my dad was, it was better for everybody that he went the way he did. Yeah, I remember you said it was kind of one of those bittersweet moments. Yeah. I'd spent a bunch of time with him that summer and sort of, he was, you know, and and, and it was clear, like, it was a good time to spend with him. And it was also clear that he was, he was finito. (laughs) Yeah, man. Had a good run, you know. He had a good run. And, you know, the thing is, we all know it's going to come to us, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've always been I've always been one to celebrate life and just to sort of accept death as inevitable. I mean, ultimately, I, it, it's not necessarily as. I mean, it happens to all of us, you know. It it can't come as a surprise. So whether it's you or your family, anybody, you know, I think you just have to kind of live in the moment and mm-hmm. treat people with care and and let them know that you love them all the time and you know. But without it's just it's just another way to live without regrets, right? Have there been any other people that you've known that you've shot quite a bit with that passed? You know, I mean, Backer's death was hard. Um, you know, I was sad to hear that Scott Cosgrove passed uh, recently. Um, you know. Um, it's weird. I don't have a whole lot of friends that have died. I have more like acquaintances that have died in the, in the mountains. I would say, you know, like Alex Lowe and Seth Shaw and a bunch of dudes like that. So, you know, yeah. how does that affect you every time you hear about that? I mean, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, which which one? You know, like um, they they all they're all everything's everything's it's case by case, you know. You know, with my daddy lived a full life, and he was 
he was really content and happy and in general, you know, and he was just like, look, this is not, I'm really sick and this might be it, but like, don't, you know, like this is, this is it. This this is life. Right. And so, so for him, it was kind of like, gosh, you know, I'm going to miss him and a lot of good memories. And it, it was, it was wild, Dan, like after, after that, I all of a sudden felt, I think I felt that was the first time I kind of felt my age and spending so much time with my dad, realizing that, um, uh, and kind of like my, my life is bookended by my dad, who's 35 years older than me and, and my son, who's 35 years younger than me. And like everything, I got a perspective like I hadn't had before. And it was all of a sudden it was like, Whoa, you know, like, like here I am, like right in the middle of my life, you know, like in the very middle, like not, not a bad thing, not a good thing. It just is what it is, you know? And, um, it was, so, so, you know, I thought when my dad died, it was like that. And then when Scott Cosgrove died, it was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know? And then when Backer died, it was like, what the fuck happened? You know? And then when Alex Lowe died, it was like, you know, like it's objective dangers. You're just like, shit, you know, you're, that's, you know what I mean? It's like a totally different thing. And then, you know, when Michael Reardon died, it was like, shit, <laughs> rogue wave, like, what? you know, like just bad luck, you know? So, um, anyway, it gives you a deeper appreciation for life, doesn't it? Yeah, I think in, I think in general. I mean, I think I think I have a deeper appreciation for life since since I became an adult too. You know, just like that that age, like getting through the hairy years when you sometimes you don't even care, and you know, and it's like a, you you almost take life for granted, right? When you're young, and you do stupid shit, and you you know push it, and you th- feel like you're invincible. And at the same time, like on certain days, you're so emotional, it, it doesn't even matter. You know, sometimes like you're so confused and hormonal and all that stuff, right? I was 35 years old when I had a kid and it was, you know, it was a different dude when I walked out of the hospital, for sure. Like, like just like that, most life-changing event. It's, and in and, and it, and not in, not in like the, you know, like in, for me, it was just in a, in a, in a perspective way. That was it. In a perspective. Did that influence your photography? I don't think so. Not that particular thing. You know, I think, I think my, my, where my creativity comes from is just, uh, you know, like, uh, just, just, it's just who I am. It's how I grew up. My father was an artist and that's just the way I, I'm just always seeing the world and, and just wanted to share that. I think I, I've thought a lot. Of, I've thought a lot about what, you know, what makes an artist an artist, and what's what makes a photographer one photographer different than somebody who just takes pictures. And why am I successful and other people are not? You know, like other people take. You know, I we all use a camera the exact same way, right? Basically, and it's like I don't know. It's like a guitar player. It's like you know, why is why is Jack White popular and you know, and, uh, you know, and, and somebody who's less talented or more talented, even, you know, why are these amazing like jazz guitarists, 
live in relative obscurity, like why are they not su- successful or, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it? You know, and yeah. it's like, what is I it? think part of it, part of it is like, I'm a photographer because I'm, I say I'm a photographer and I say that I'm good and I want to share my work. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like when I, like I'm the first person that said it was good. And then other people started saying it was good. And then all of a sudden it's good, you know, and it's like, and, and I think that that's a really important ingredient in it. You know, the, the artists that I hang out with, all of the artists that I hang out with, you know, from like, you know, relative, like quite famous, like as, you know, like I know some artists that are really, really famous artists, you know, that are, well, have, you know, you know, and it's like they are confident. They, they're, they're artists because they say they're artists. And that's the one common thread, you know, through, throughout. They're, it starts with them. You know, they're, they're not like kind of like wishy-washy about what they're doing. They're like, I'm fucking awesome. And I, and I did this. That's just, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that emphatically just to, you know, just, it's not like that, but you know what I mean? It is, it is that, that's, that's, it's, it's, that's it. It's essentially that it's not, not, no, not those words, but that's, that's, that's how they walk. That's how they, that's how they, they present themselves, whether they say that or not, it's just unspoken. And it's like, everyone knows it. And if you can speak it and live it, then you become it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I have. I keep telling people all these stories about you. Uh, my first impression of you goes way back to Smith Rocks. I think it was 1986, yeah. and you were you had just been climbing for a year, maybe. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing you on this 12B or C. I don't even remember the name of the route, and and you were fumbling with the eclipse, and you were dropping the rope, and you were saying to your Belair, "Watch me, watch me, watch me." And I was thinking all along, I mean, I didn't even know who you were at the time. And I was just thinking that you were going to come off any second. And the, there was no way in hell you were going to make it. But yet, you did. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it, just blew, it, it blew me away. And then, you know, um, I, I saw you on another time and you did it again. It was that never-ending surrender. You know, you just never surrender attitude that really stuck with me. And so anytime I run into a climber who's getting stuck on something, I will tell them that story about it's going, to first, it's going to first come from you believing that you can do it and just going for it, not giving up. Yeah. And, uh, well, we, we, I think we all saw that in Sharma too. I mean, I didn't see that in myself cause I was experiencing it, experiencing it, but like me in your shoes watching Sharma, you know what I mean? Like as an observer watching Sharma, you're just like, he just doesn't give up. That was the first thing, you know, when he was fumbling all over the place, you know, <laughs> strong and doesn't give up, just kept going. No. What what climb was that when you first saw him climbing? Oh, um, no, no. I was saying he's, he's strong and he's just, he's just, he's never going to give up. He's just, that's, that was his sort of trademark too. Remember his feet were flying mm-hmm. all over the place and. But yeah, um, what I saw, I mean, the first climb I ever, I met Chris at the base of Necessary Evil. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I heard that he wanted to do it. And I, you know, there was so much going on at the time. And so many, like, it was, you know, there was a period of, like, 
you, I mean, people don't even remember. It was a blip in time of like red tags and like, this is my project. And, you know, it's like, and I wanted to make darn sure that, that this kid who could do this thing, who'd shown that he was that good, felt totally comfortable. You know what I mean? And it was kind of like, so I, I showed up, I, I went down there. We found out that he was going to be there. I, I was still climbing at the time more, you know, I, I didn't even consider shooting. It was Thornburg that was shooting an MC. My buddy Mike call wanted to make a video. He was just like, ah, let's, let's shoot video of this. He had a handy camera or something, you know? And it was like, that was, that was sort of the beginning. MC had done a couple of kind of raw videos of Salt Lake climbing, bouldering mostly and stuff like that. And he was like, ah, next level. Let's go shoot Chris Sharma on this thing on in video. <laughs> So I went down with Mike, and that's where I met Chris. Chris and that kid, Adam. Adam, I think his name's Adam Smith. So is that when you made your switch over to photography? Um, Not that day, but that was the beginning of the end, for sure. I mean, for me... Or, as or a, the as beginning a, of the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the next phase, yeah. that way. And honestly, and you know, I think it's funny because I'm watching... I'm you know, 15 years hence, you know, I'm watching Sharma go through a similar sort of trans transition in his life. And he's still super, super strong and wants to still climb really well, but he also sees, you know, what the kids are doing. He's not oblivious to that. And he'll hold on as long as he can, but he also, he's really psyched about his new life and, you know, his man is pregnant and his new gym, his business, he, he's there all the time taking such good care of it, you know, babying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's his thing, to. you know. And so so through so through that, you know, I think again, observing other others is a way to sort of I know I can tell you with certainty that I was like I've I I was on before I started climbing, I was on the I was on track to be some kind of an artist. I didn't know what that was going to be. And I got I started climbing and I was really good at it. And I, and at some point you feel like you have to live, live through that period. And, and at the same time, I was happy to, to finally move on. And the sport was in, you know, kind of like climbing was in good hands with the kids. And, you know, there was all, all of a sudden Tommy Caldwell and all those guys. And it's just like, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm good. I've done that. I'm going to go and, and go back to my original plan which seemed better suited for a 30 30 year old guy you know like a <laughs> 30 year old guy <laughs> you know which just seemed more age appropriate you know and, and i yeah. i expect being making being creative for you know my whole life um i don't know it's so did uh, chris was did he inspire you to pursue your desire to be a photographer no, so here's the deal. I went to, I went to, um, so my photography thing happened kind of like this. The synopsis is, um, went to, you know, 1980s in college, went to graphic design school, studied photography also. Never considered being a photographer because it seemed so expensive. And, and I was really in graphic design seemed like a great job. And I ended up getting hired to do graphic design at Black Diamond right out of college. So that seemed like a dream come true. Um, I, you know, 
was involved in a lot of aspects of photography, blah, 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 through, through my work at Black Diamond. Um, down the road, as I started more, I think one of the first main creative projects that I did in my transition at, you know, in the late 90s was Pusher. Um, and that was, I started designing shoes and, you know, any kind of creativity basically would, would suffice. So I was designing shoes for Fila. I don't know if you remember that for Spark mm-hmm. for a while. And then, you know, and then I was doing graphic design and, and one day I was like, you know, the thing that's made me most happy about my life as a climber, honestly, is not the routes that I've done, but the friends that I've made and the travels and, and basically all the location stuff, right? Isn't that and, the truth? Yeah, that's my best memories of it. Yeah, um, mine too. And um, The routes yeah, kind of you know, blend like, in together. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was a cool memory. But you know what, Dan was, you know, it's like Smith Rock in 1986. It's like I met Dan Goodwin, and it was a big deal. You know, like you were all over the magazines and all that stuff. And, you know, we kind of became friends. And I was like, this guy is like my, he likes me, you know, like we became friends. And I was I was really proud of that friendship, actually. Oh, so was I. Um, so was I. I you know, it's funny. I, I, was, I was telling people, you know, after, our, you know, we both went our different ways. But I was yeah. just going... You mark my word, this guy, Boone Speed, we're going to see a lot more of him. <laughs> I just knew it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's super funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So anyway, um, we, you know, I started, I started Pusher, and that was, I put my whole thing into that. And I, I was the creative director there, and I was shooting the photography and writing the copy. With, for you know, I didn't do it single-handedly. We, we did it as a team. And um, that that started to make an impact. And I, through that, I was traveling with some of the young climbers, Sharma at the time, Obi Carrion, Jason Kale, um, David Graham, and started shooting photos of those guys. And it, just one thing led to another, and it was like, this seems pretty, like, I can be creative. I, if I become a photographer, I, I can solve the creative part of my needs and also the location the, like for the rest of my life. And that was, that was literally the equation that sort of stuck. And, and it happened around the time of digital cameras. And I, and I had a, uh, because I'd been a graphic designer, I had a leg up on the whole digital process because every, every bit of film that we shot, we'd scan to digital. And then, um, and so, you know, all of a sudden the digital workflow had all the traditional photographers flummoxed and not knowing what the fuck to do. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is a no-brainer. And I got one of the early digital cameras. I switched, I was, I switched from film pretty early because I was like, you know, missed the, the whole step of – I was computer savvy. I knew Photoshop, all of this stuff already and um because all my graphic design and it just made sense so so that gave me my connections that i'd made through climbing and then the and then the you know just that sort of epiphany and that perfect sort of confluence of my skill set with the moment in with technology open like kicked the door wide open and that was it you know it was a lucky right place at the right time in a way you know I'd hate to be starting a career in photography right now. I'll tell you, <laughs> a lot different, a lot different now. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
I get I get jobs now based on my reputation and and my portfolio, and that's that's lucky. What, what are you shooting mostly these days? You know, I have a so I've so I still shoot some outdoor stuff. Um, I realized pretty early on that with the outdoor stuff, um, I did that for for the love and to build my portfolio and travel. But I realized pretty early on that I was competing against kids with lesser equipment and um, just they were, you know, it was like, like basically just like be there. It's like the Red Bull thing, you know, it's like, um, so wherever you're at, you're going to make a great picture and you can't be everywhere. So I feel, I felt like, and the budgets were really small and I, I was getting more and more equipment. And, um, so I, I still do a little bit of stuff. I still do stuff in the outdoor industry. I do a ton of lifestyle stuff across, you know, across the board. And then I've, I've been, I've kind of transitioned into a ton of like architectural shooting and I'm more interesting, more like space. Um, and that's, that's a little bit, it's a little, the filter to enter that realm is a little bit, there's more of a filter for sure. You've got to have a decent skill set, and I've, you know, kept up kind of on, especially contemporary architecture. I'm pretty well versed in that world, and I know again, I know I know some of the right people who I've gotten some great opportunities, um, people in the right place, and you know, kind of cultivated that that work for myself. And I and I feel like it's good. You know, I'm 50 now, and so it feels like also again like age appropriate. Outdoor shooting is backbreaking, man. <laughs> it's yeah, like, I and I, I love to do it, but fuck, you know, like shooting in the mountains um, and the bar is so high, the the work is so good, and it's a it's a young man's it's a young man's job, I think. Yeah, you got to you know? carry all that gear, and uh, in the yeah. winter time, you're oh my god, it's so cold, and uh, yeah. Oh so god. if you're not there doing it, you know, like guys like Renan and and Jimmy and all those guys, they're there anyway. You know what I mean? And they're talented. So um, just do it. You know, Corey Richards, all those guys. There's a reason. You know, they're in the right. It's about being in the right place at the right time. And for me, yeah, like even my yeah, and, you know, for me, in a way. The, the same holds true for where I'm at with my architecture shooting. I just have a good opportunity, you know, and I know, I, I know the right people. I have the right relationships and it's, um, that's working, you know, when you're doing a shoot, yeah. do you see the image in your mind before you shoot it or does the image just magically appear in the frame? I think so. I, I rarely, rarely go into, um, uh, I rarely go into a shoot with something in my head. Um, I have, of course I have an imagination and I have like these fantastic images that, that I conjure up every once in a while, you know? So sometimes that's, that's the impetus to get me, to get me rolling. But the, the, as the situation unfolds, I consider myself pretty observant and like opportunistic when it comes to uh, seizing the moment. And that's, that's kind of what ends up happening. We kind of try to, try to, you know, 
if it's a climbing shoot, it's like, what's the essence of the shot going to be? Is it the move? Is it the texture of the rock? Is it the backdrop? Is it the sky? Is it, you know, what, what, is it the colors mixing up? Like, what's the essence? What's going to make this shot amazing? Um, even, even in climbing. And it's not always the same objective. Um, and it's not always straightforward. So you kind of have to search for that. You know, some of the most, some of the most, um, iconic climbing right now, you know, say for instance, Oleana, um, it, you know, Oleana in Spain, you know, world-class limestone crag, sort of the talk of the town. Um, everyone's going there, not the most photogenic place in the world. You know what I mean? Like when you think when you, as a photographer, it doesn't shoot itself. It's majestic. There are certain aspects of it that do, but like to go there and, you know, strip away everything and go, what is the essence of this? You know, for me at Oleana, it's generally been about the physicality of what is going on there. And so I've focused on, you know, kind of like the move and the, the intensity of that, of the moves, which means Interesting. a lot of times it's like a close up of a climber and less of like just being at Oleana. I mean, you know, there's tons of iPhone photos of Oleana out there that kind of show guys on tufas up high and blah blah blah. But it's like, what what's the what is the image, the iconic image of Oleana? It's mm-hmm. for me, it's like, you know, one of these badass climbers on a badass route and specifically on a badass move. Do you, do you crop the image in the camera or do you crop it afterwards? Um, I don't crop anymore, really. I shoot the way I, I rarely even use the cropping tool. Um, I have done, I, I do much less, less post work than I used to because I feel like, and the thing is, is like, that's just the evolution of the shooter, right? Of an artist mm-hmm. in general. Um, I try to, I try to do, I think a lot of work and even popular work has been over, over processed. And especially with Instagram and things like that have kind of, um, you know, the, the retro look and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, I, I, I try to, I just naturally kind of frame it up and it's weird because I, I'm a kind of a, like, I, I want to make sure that the way that I envision my photographs, my prized images are full frame and even and as big as possible. So I, I want to see my work, um, big, you know, it's not, it, I don't shoot for Instagram. I shoot to be, you know, bigger, the better. And I mean, in, so when you say bigger, like, that, okay. are you talking about like potentially billboard size? Yeah. 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 Or a mural or a really big photo in the house. So, Yeah. I mean, hmm. I have a I have a photograph in my house that I took. It's four by six, printed on. Um, it's just a just a large large photograph, you know. And it's like, and I took it of uh, vintage race cars in Monaco. And it's like, I mean, just looking at the looking at the quality of the image when it's big, it's it's. I I I really enjoy it. Like I look at it and I'm like, fuck. That's such wow. a sick photograph. The way that, you know, the way the lens that I chose and the way that I shot it, it's just a sick photograph. And, and up, like, 
when it's big and up close, you just see this quality in it. It's like, how do you do that? You know? So I know I love a good photo like that because it's almost like a painting. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, recently even like I was in New York a few weeks ago and I was, um, and we went to this, you know, a pretty serious, you know, art show. And honestly, and I mean, we were like, you know, kind of like, I mean, there were, it was kind of a, a mismatch of everything going on um, for, for a, a weekend. And it was some of the best galleries in the world featuring some of the greatest, some of the best art. And, um, you know, and we were looking at everything from Warhols to Basquiat's to things. But honestly, I was really the thing. And, and there was some stuff that really blew my head off. But by and large, I was really, really moved by the best photography in the room. And, and I told my buddy, I was like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like as photography gets more and more vetted and more and more like common, when something stands out, it's like, it's like reading Hemingway, you know, it's like everyone's got a pencil and paper and everyone's a writer, but, but like, Hemingway just did it better than everybody else, like took this really common form of art, you know, or a good poet, you know, and just like, it just, it's, it's, it gives you chills, you know, when you see something that's so common, be so outstanding. I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, If you had to choose one lens, what lens would that be? I'd have to take two. I'd want a 24 (laughs) and an 85. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> it's like you'd have to if you chose one it would have to for me it probably would have to be a 35 but it's neither here nor there and so a lot of times i'll walk around town with a with a with a lens in my pocket in my jacket or something like that um i'll walk around with a with a camera body and just two prime lenses a 24 and an 85 and um and that makes me really happy. I can sort of cover a lot of ground with those two lenses. What's your favorite um, lens? You know, I have a tendency of going with a um, more of a 200 millimeter. Right. Um, it's so that, fun to shoot a 200 millimeter. I know. You know, it's so fun. And especially like downtown and stuff like that. It's like... I, I love being the shot height. Yeah, I know. Two hundred. It's hard. It's hard not to love a two hundred. <laughs> makes makes. It's, it's hard not to love all the lenses. Actually, uh, I know it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at your website right now, and it's really impressive, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, it's it's so cool to see how you've diversed into so many other sports. Um, and, and the lifestyles, Thanks. you know, the surfing shots, the snowboarding shots, the kids with the skateboards. Um, beautiful, man. Just really beautiful. And, oh, thanks. Uh, is there it's a particular a sport you've been, you enjoy shooting the most? Well, you know, climbing and climbing is like, is, is like home, you know? So probably it's the thing I've studied the most and that's going to probably yield the best work i do like shooting around the ocean though i have to say um so yeah maybe, maybe 
Yeah. And you know, it's all, so a lot of these things, you know, what I've noticed with, especially with athletics is you need to shoot the best athletes. And the, so, you know, I haven't, I've got some skating shots in there and some skating lifestyle shots, but you won't see, I haven't ever shot like the greatest skater. And so you don't see a whole lot of actual skating shots. You see some impressionistic stuff of skating, but like the BMX shots that I have and, and the, the skiing in the snowboarding stuff and like the surfing, I've just mm-hmm. been fortunate to, to go out and obviously with the climbing, I mean, you know, a bad shot of Chris Sharma is going to look better than like your buddy, like in a so funky position. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just is, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it can, you, your buddy can be on the coolest route ever, but it's like, I don't know. There's just something about shooting something, somebody who's dialed, you know, yeah. body position and just everything. So, I've just been fortunate. I've always looked for sort of best in class um, scenarios and try to try to work like that. You know, is there a particular sport that's paying more than others? Paying, like paying you money? <laughs> well, you know, basketball. I mean, shooting shooting that kind of stuff for Adidas or Nike is going to be is going to pay more. Outdoor stuff is not really paying i mean people don't pay um i had a really really good opportunity this last autumn like from we did a project september through sort of december um for prana and that was that was a really fun exploration of what kind of what's happening to climbing in in the in the the urban environments um and just and it was literally just an exploration it was like I think ultimately there's, it, we just scratched the surface, you know, uh, and those guys, those guys paid a fair, those guys paid fairly, you know, and that was, that was really nice that they let us sort of creative direct the whole thing. And they just let us use our instinct. They trusted us. And that was, that was That's great. Cool. It, was a, it was a real, it was a real budget. And that was, that was great. I'm really grateful for that opportunity, honestly. Is there a particular message that you're trying to convey? For me, the music that I play is just this really raw authenticity. It is kind of like Jack White on the guitar, I think, or something along those lines. It's not arena rock. It's not going to appeal to everybody. My work is emotional. It's from the heart. It's spontaneous. It's fast. I work really fast. And, and like even on commercial shoots, I work really fast and compared to most people. And, um, and sometimes I get hired because I work fast, you know, it's like, and any good, any good photo editor can spot that, you know, they're just like, they can spot the, it's like listening to music. You know, it's like I use the music analogy a lot because there's, there's nothing wrong with the way that Jack White plays. And there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, the way that, Eddie Van Halen plays the guitar, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just whether or not it's like, what sound you like, you know? And, you know, there's the, there's the work out there. There's the photography and you can tell that it's overworked. It's, 
and it, or or it's like very mathematic and it's very it's fastidious and you can just see that in the work it doesn't mean that it's bad it means that it's more like you know what's the equivalent in in painting you know it's like a Seurat you know like uh, Georges Seurat like you know the pointillism like the you know like the super fastidious like it must have gone crazy and then there's like the the Van Gogh sort of spontaneity, you know, that you see, or the or the Basquiat is is you know an amazing sort of just spontaneous raw emotion and words, you know, that it just get written down, um, and that comes through in the work, right? It really so does. It does. I th- I mean, no, I I'm saying like it, not even not not my work necessarily, but it just comes through. You can. You can see that. So I think as an artist, I strive to stay true to my style and my aesthetic and my, you know, the music that I play, um, you know, my sound. And that's so for me, like I say, it's spontaneous. It's quick. It's not overposed or overdone. It's not overcooked. You know what I mean? It's just raw. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's, yeah, I think it works. You know, it does work. Not for everything, not for everything, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do the other stuff. You know, it doesn't work for me. Are, are you Just feeling like, the pressure to shoot video at all? Yeah, a little bit. That, no, I don't feel the pressure. I actually like, like, really enjoy the the opportunity. So, um, you know, I've had for two years. I've filmed. I have a friend who makes um, pretty. Like he's a true avant-garde filmmaker, and in the in the sense of like, you know, like really like art films. And he, I'm I'm his director of photography. I'm his DP, and we work together. And we've had two short films. The last two years, we've had a short film accepted to Cannes, which is a big deal, you know. So that's that's the kind of thing that I like to. I like to do um like again it's you know it's like we we just work really well together and it can be and he likes the way you know obviously we, we work to, you know it's like two bandmates coming together just like yeah. playing the same music you know yeah. and uh and he's he's a bold editor and i like that he's not trying to edit for anybody but himself and that's that's the most important thing and that comes through in the work I'll send you That's some awesome. links, actually, because it's like nobody in climbing would would see this stuff. You know, it's just it's a totally different different life. Well, so. it's a known fact that all the best filmmakers start off as great photographers. You got to have yeah. that eye. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. It's the simplicity that video shoot. If you start shooting video, it's video shooting video is. It's pretty easy to, to there's a lot of forgiveness in, in the soundtrack and the editing process that makes video and the actual moving photographs, the, the action itself that makes that makes shooting video easier than shooting photography. So when somebody that knows how to shoot a good photograph that can tell a story in one frame, a silent frame, um, you know, when they start pointing the camera, you know, for, for video, I think that it just ends up it's just more thoughtful that the footage itself is just more thoughtful. Yeah. I couldn't agree more there. 
Yeah. The next question I have for you has nothing to do with photography, but but it could. It depends on your yeah. point of view. Um, <laughs> what do most of your friends think of Donald Trump? What do you think of Donald Trump? Oh, good question. So, um, so originally, and there's still part of me that that, that wonders this. Um, so, so he's a kook. You know what I mean? Like he's just a complete <laughs> kook. And and I don't like I I actually think at this point I wouldn't be friends with somebody that supported him or even he's a fascist. He's like I I can't be. It's like. It's like, like knowingly electing a Hitler or a Mussolini to, to be your leader. Like that's just. I think we know too much these days. So, um, the information's so anyway. But but I actually still I still sometimes wonder if um, he's not a plant for the for just. I mean, what he's done is weed out the scariest faction of of our country really it's mm-hmm. like you really have you know it's like oh shit you're a trump supporter fuck that's you're like you're part of the problem it's affected us the same way if we find out that someone yeah. is it's just like oh really oh my god that's so disappointing i didn't know you're one of them you have friends that are that are <laughs> no no i don't <laughs> i don't know point. anybody <laughs> My son took a photograph. My son, my son saw a kid the other day with the Trump shirt, and he actually took took like a satirical photo with him. He was like, "Dad, I mean, the kid was wearing a Trump shirt, you know." <laughs> and the guy was, and and he was, and Nick stood next to him, and and uh, he said the kid was like, "What do you like about Trump?" And Nick said, "Oh, you know, his values." <laughs> <laughs> just like you know, just taking. The I hate everybody. <laughs> Not only are we going to keep Mexicans out, we're going to make them build us a wall to keep themselves out. It's like, did you see the the, the the interview with Vincente Fox, who said we're not building a fucking wall? He straight out said it. He was like Vincente Fox said fucking. He's like we're not building that fucking wall (laughs) she's alienated everybody Uh, it's it's whoever it's a democrat uh elected uh whoever we choose to be running for us whether it's bernie sanders or hillary clinton they they've already they're a shoe into the white house now yeah i wish you know i honestly (laughs) i wish um it's interesting because what what this period in time has given us is both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, and they, it's the 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 internet or the social media or all this stuff that's it has changed everything. So it's like Hillary will probably end up being president, and it's just like kind of like okay, fine, whatever, snooze, whatever, status quo politician, fine. You know, I get it. That that would have, you know, obviously in my lifetime, that just seems normal. And but all of a sudden, you get a Bernie Sanders who can make serious headway. I mean, it started back in 2008 with Obama. It kind of came out of nowhere. Um, 
but it's like all of a sudden Bernie Sanders has his, has a voice too, you know, and actually Bernie gets me really excited about, yeah, me too. You know, his, um, did I say that out loud? He Bernie gets <laughs> excited. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we he know can you say, the fact that he could say that I, I'm, I'm all about free speech, and I'm glad that Trump can say what, he, what Trump says. I'm surprised that he has as many people following him as he does. That scares me. He has every right to say what he says, though, and he has, is, and 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 Bernie does too. And and what I like is that there's a lot of people that are listening to Bernie. If it was Bernie against. I mean, if there was no Hillary, then Bernie would be our president. And that would be fucking cool, I think. I'd be way cool with that. You know, I, I, it, it would, it, but I think politics is we, I think the Republican Party as, as it looked is done, is like super finito. And I think that that's a good thing, honestly. As, they're, as, they're like as, a party of as, as it is. Well, and I yeah. think, I don't think all of them are. I think that they've been, I think when, you know, starting with, starting, you know, with like Carl Rove and those guys, you know, you, you be careful what you wish for. You've created this fanatical party that has no sort of, um, it doesn't have any, there's no logic. You know what I mean? And you, they've, they've, this entire group of people have been easy to sway. I mean, look at the people that, that Trump is talking to. And look at the contradictions in his messaging, like on a daily basis. I mean, you know, one day he says on Thursday, he says something and contradicts the exact same thing on Friday. It goes viral and nobody cares. Like people just, you know, it's like, well, he can say what he wants. You know, it's like he is the Messiah. It's like he you can't. It's like, you know, these people are blindly following this dude. And my point is, is that be careful what you wish for. And. You know, you you thirty years of voting against your own special interests or self interest gets you you arrive at Donald Trump. Like there's that's just the end. That's the end of that game. Like it really is. That's you ask for those people to support you, um, and now and now that's the people that's gonna that's gonna it's like a cancer. You know, like the, the that constituency is. It's done. <laughs> for a minute, it, it bottoms. For a minute, it bottoms some votes. But it's like there's the, the, the conservative movement is going to have to come come back someplace to the center and not be so crazy. They are because I mean, honestly, honestly, freaking like Obama has been pretty centrist. You know, he's been a pretty good Republican president. I would say so. You know, like he's been, he's, he's done, it's not like he's gone way out. It's not like Obama's gone super, it's not like he's been able to be super liberal. You know, he's, I mean, the rich are still getting richer. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, and I don't even mean to sound like cynical or, or horrible, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not super, I guess it. I guess it winds me up a little bit, but I mean, it does, right? <laughs> hey, you're an artist, but, uh, right? I haven't met yeah, artists I guess. or too many of climbers in general. 
that all seem to be in line with what we're just talking about as a whole. Yeah. It's the world. I mean, honestly, it's the world. I think we're really blessed, our community. Um, and part of, part of what we did for Prana and this, this project that we did, you know, and exploring the influence of the climbing is having, having on the urban environment. And it's just growing. It's, it's growing like crazy. You know, you know that. I mean, you, you invested your life for a minute there. I mean, you, you had vertical concepts, right? Oh yeah. And, and it was like, we saw this, we saw this happening 30 years. You saw it happening almost 30 years ago. Basically, 1987, you started Vertical Concepts, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, it was uh, Sport and Climbing Systems. Sport Climbing Systems. And then yeah. who was it that did uh, the wall at Snowbird? Uh, I did. Wasn't that VC? Uh, no, that was – they wanted to do it. Um, I, I built – I created the molds. I poured every single panel, <laughs> bolted yeah. every panel. Do you remember I helped you install that wall? Yeah, remember I was on that installation crew. Yeah, that was that was hellacious, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's wild, wild. Yeah, no, we we've been through a lot of different things together, man. I think back on it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We've seen a lot. It's funny. Yeah, so you know, like like climbing is is what I'm what I'm hoping because I believe. I believe that climbers in general are pretty, you know, like I don't know any climbers that are supporting Trump that are even, that it's even fathomable, you know, honestly, and that are, that are bigoted or, you know, like most climbers are really open-minded sort of consider themselves global citizens and try to Mm -hmm. live thoughtfully and, you know, fairly green and we're just doing the best we can. Right. Most of us. And, and, uh, and I, you know, as that influence hits these urban centers, and it and it is, it's gonna. I mean, there's gonna be 400 gyms like, you know, the like the Mission Cliffs and the Planet Granites around the world, you know, in in the next five years, and it's gonna. They're right in downtown cities, and it's gonna have an influence on the people, and then it's and then these people are also gonna have an influence on on our culture. And what I'm hoping is is that. You know, we raise the we raise the bar. Uh, that's that's my hope is that climbing doesn't get dumbed down, but that through climbing we're able to actually raise awareness and raise the bar across the board. You know, and that's that's just what I'm hoping. I think it's already happening. I'm seeing it. Uh, Do you? Anyone that we turn on to find and, and bring them to the gym, they're just yeah. All of a sudden, you can just see the whole perspective on life changes. All of a sudden, they're more environmentally conscious, everything. For well, sure. Well, that's, um, I know you got to get going here, but I just got one oh, more. Oh, I'm, I'm good, thing. man. I'm psyched. I'm to, good. I'm super stoked to, um, you know, chat and all this stuff. We, we always end it with, uh, what words of inspiration would you like to share with the Triple Black community? Me? Yeah. What would you like to share? <laughs> 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 um, me? <laughs> me? <laughs> me? Yes. What would you. I like to share? What would I like to share with the triple black community? You know, like I think, I think it's 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 trite, but like 
and everyone probably you hear this all the time, but honestly, you got to follow your you got to follow your heart. I mean, simplify, follow your heart. You know, do what you need to do because you know. I think ultimately that's how you know it's it's fine for me to be fifty years old because I feel like I've had fifty years of experience, and that's like you know I'm not I'm not regretting like blowing it, you know, when, when I was physically fit or, or, you know, working in a cubicle or something like that. So that's going to piss some people off, I'm sure. But, you know, the triple black community, fuck it, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're, if you're, if if you're in the triple black community, fuck it, go for it. That's it. You know, love it. Love it. You got it. Uh, you got it. Well, Boone, I really seriously, man, I this has been so cool reconnecting with you. This is yeah, awesome. Cool, we gotta man. definitely uh get together, you know, and uh do some climbing, do some shooting. I wanna I'm shoot sure you I'll man be... on uh Necessary Evil. That's what I wanna shoot you on. <laughs> have have you been back <sighs> to it? No. No, I haven't. Um it's uh I have it. I you know I don't I, the the main thing for me is right now I don't, I don't know if I can spend a month in you know in Mesquite or St. George and not go crazy. So it's <laughs> kind of like the deciding factor. It's like maybe necessary evils just maybe it won't happen. I don't know. Cuz it's because the rest of the because of the logistics you know what yeah. I mean? Partially. No, I hear you. Because if I can go someplace in the world for a month, I don't know if I choose St. George right now in my life. I don't know if that's the place. Yeah, no, I hear not, you. Not, not, only because I've spent so much time there and there's other places to see. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not I'm not bagging on it or anything like that. It's like I think I think I'd rather go spend a month somewhere near the ocean. Honestly, I'd like to climb, but I'd be happy to surfing too. Yeah, but a month of time is like it's it's a lot. It becomes it's a lot, lot, isn't it? It's precious. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, the thing is, dude. At the end of the day, you know, nothing I climb anymore is going to. You know, I I've been there, done that. We, you had your day in the sun. I had my day in the sun. I was in the right time at the right place. You know, we I did it. I don't need to keep you know i don't necessarily i don't feel the pull to to do that again so that's good to relive it you know what i mean i really do oh. i really do yeah yeah no honestly yeah that's 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 it i'm uh, i've been at peace with that for a long time you know so right on man cool. hey give our give our best to your family and uh, uh so cool talking to you man seriously yeah yeah for sure dan i'll take care Later on. Bye. Wow. As predicted, Boone Speed knocked it completely out of the park. He has so many takeaways, I'm not sure where to begin, but here's one that really stuck with me. Live in the moment. Treat people with care and let them know you love them all the time. It's just another way of living your life without regrets. So true, so true. Well, until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin with Triple Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.